what's the point of being brave? What's the point of sharing your story? Well, we think it is the point. Hi, I'm Liza Jean, a certified Enneagram coach and the founder of Living Simply Brave. Hi, I'm Megan Lynn, communications expert and founder of Voice Your Story. And together, we are Voice Your Brave Story, an Enneagram Journey podcast. A place to dive deeper into inner work to explore how we experience our stories through the foundation of the Enneagram and hear the brave journeys of everyday people who have faced trials along the way. Welcome back to the next episode of Voice Your Brave Story. It has been a journey for both Megan and I so far, and we're so excited to bring you another special episode. So the last few weeks, I have been sharing my story, and today we're going to hear from Megan. She's going to share her story, and we are so excited to be able to do this Um, in a safe space. And that is our mission here at Voice Your Brave Story is to allow you to have a safe place to share your story. It is really our mission to have the opportunity to connect with other brave um, survivors and to also teach them and to teach ourselves to continue sharing our brave stories so that we can you know, break free from that shame um, of the things that we've been carrying around for a long time. So without further ado, I'm going to um, let Megan kind of introduce herself and then we'll just kind of see where this goes. But um, welcome, Megan. Thank you. I'm excited to share today. I um you know, I told you before I was having a hard time kind of figuring out because my my story has a lot of pieces to it. It there, I thought maybe I break it up in chapters. Maybe I break it up into topics and the thread that I kept feeling like I needed to come back to the thing that has kind of been my, I don't know, sometimes my nemesis, sometimes my, um, my healer. Um, it's been in all different parts is, is my battle with, and my journey towards my self-worth. Um, and I feel like, I feel like that by focusing on that, it's going to help everybody understand kind of where I've been and what I've been through. So, um, so I'm going to use that as the arch of my story is talking about my self-worth, which takes me back to the beginning. Like when I grew up in a family that really valued my self-worth, um, or helped me to value my self-worth, my parents were very loving and, um, I certainly felt like I could always go to my parents. I always felt like I could um, rely on them and they always lifted me up. They always helped me to know that I was valuable and that I should have a self-worth to myself, Um, which made it so surprising as I got older and that started to go away. Um, When I was... um, the first that it pro- that I really can look back to and I can see where that started to go. Um, Cause I remember like being early in high school and, and I had these opportunities to, um, to, to be able to sing. I love singing. And, um, and because I went to this really small, tiny rural school um, I had a lot of chances because a lot of people there cared a lot about sports and about football and not a lot about the music program. It was um, not necessarily so great, but it was great for me because I got to, 
I got to do all kinds of things that had maybe I've been in a larger environment, I wouldn't have gotten some of the opportunities that I did. And I loved it. And it it like really lifted that whole self-worth up. And I, um, I believed that I could do things. Um, and then in high school, I started to, um, I started to date a guy and he had his own issues. He had some anger issues and, um, had some control issues and I wasn't really great at communicating. And I was also, um, I was also really prone to wanting to please. I've always been a people pleaser. Like that's, I want, I want people to like me. I want to, <laughs> the two in me, I guess I, I want, I want to be loved. I want to be liked. I, <laughs> and because of that, and because of his nature to kind of control and to push things, um, how he wanted them to go, it, it pushed me into kind of a darker spot. And um, I, we were together about a year and a half. And um, towards the end of that, I started to realize that it wasn't the same person that I had been and that I needed to step out of that relationship. And that was a very difficult thing to do. Um, my parents were super supportive. Um, as soon as I, as soon as I said it out loud, as soon as I started to reach out to people, cause I carried a lot of it inside. And I think that's the part, like, um, I, I carried a lot of things inside there. I don't know. It's not like, it's not like I was taught this. It was just, I think it's just some of my own independence. I've always just kind of functioned on my own. I've always internalized a lot of things, not necessarily felt like, um, I could talk about them, not because people necessarily pushed me away, but I, I just kind of felt like, no, I, I need to handle this. Um, and so I did try to for a long time. And then once I finally reached out, uh, got some support to get out of that relationship. And I remember feeling like I was kind of floundering during that time. It would have been right after high school. Um, my first year of college, I went to a, a, like a business school. Um, and I I felt really lost to just kind of like, I don't know what I want to do. And I ended up switching and going to a Bible college. I got really heavily involved in my church, which was pretty conservative. Um, and I, I changed where I was going to go. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to go. I'm going to save the world. <laughs> I'm going to go help people. Um, and that's really what my main motivation was. Like my deep down motivation was I wanted to help people. I wanted to, I wanted my life to feel like it had some kind of purpose. And I was finding that at church. Um, and I also thought, well, gosh, I'm finding it at church. Certainly the Bible college will like give me even more purpose. And it did um, in a lot of ways um, because I, it was a very small college and I could go there and um, the rules were really clear of what you needed to do to make others happy. Um, and that ended up being, um, at the time it felt really good. And it was, um, it was a very kind of people pleasing thing. Like all my family was super excited to hear that I was doing that. Um, and I felt like, you know, it was kind of like this beginning of a journey of making everybody else happy and that kind of becoming the most important thing to me. Um, and that's important because that carried over for many, many years and made me make a lot of decisions that probably weren't the best for me. 
Um, and in the process of all of that, my self-worth really started, it, it all ended up kind of becoming this like <laughs> this imbalance. Like the more that I people please, the more my self-worth went down, but I, it was hard for me to tell because people were happy. And so I, it felt like, well, if people are happy with me, then I should be okay. So, so back to being in college, I, um, I kind of varied between like what kind of majors I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to be a youth pastor, if I wanted to do something with music, um, if I wanted to, um, uh, I started working with kids and decided, okay, I'm going to go towards education um, and um, kind of decided <laughs> as far as the ministry aspect that I would marry into that piece. <laughs> um, a lot of Bible colleges get joked about as being bridal colleges. Um, it's very much the mindset in those environments to, to get married and people get married fast in those environments. So it created this like mindset of just rushing into that quickly. Um, and I met a guy um, and we ended up um, that he was a, a budding youth pastor and we got along really well with each other. Like we, we were really good friends. We laughed a lot together and a lot of the, and those were a lot of our like connections. Um, and he was going to be a youth pastor and I loved singing at church and I could work with the kids. And it just seemed like this perfect, like, look at all this stuff that's coming together. And it made people happy. And they're like, oh, look, you guys, you're going to do so much in ministry. And um, <laughs> it was, it, it just all seemed so right. Cause I was getting all of this feedback that everything was going well and, and that people were happy with me and like, well, if people are happy with me, then it must be the right thing to do. And I really started forming this mindset of if, if it's, if everybody's telling me that it's right, well, it must be right. Even though I had some internal red flags going off when we were engaged, we were fighting all the time. And <laughs> I look back at this now and I just laugh, laugh, like a sad laugh. Um, because I, I remember like thinking like, oh, this is just Satan out to get us. Not like, oh, you don't have to make this decision. You're not very happy right now. Um, you probably shouldn't keep stepping forward if it's this unhappy right now. No, I, I went right for like, no, everybody's telling me this is a, a good thing to do. And, you know, we're going to have this great relationship and we can have fun together. So these things, I ended up just kind of like pushing them aside not really attending to them how I should. And I, if I had gotten, um, what, what I wasn't getting during that time, like I got a lot of support from my family when I made that transition, when I left my boyfriend and I, um, and I started going to the college, I got a lot of support in like a loving kind of way. What I didn't get during that time was the mental health support that I needed. I did not see a counselor. I did not talk to somebody who could be an outside voice and not just try to please me. Cause I think that's the other thing. Like I was trying to please everybody else. And I think a lot of other people just wanted to see me happy. And so if I seemed like I was happy with it, then they were like, well, then it must be the right thing. You, you know, I think people trusted me who I was and, but I wasn't really in a place where I could trust myself, but I was going ahead and doing it and making all these decisions. And I really didn't address who I was. I didn't find out like 
I didn't do any of the work to try to figure out like, who am I really? What really is important to me? What are my values? I just kept moving forward. Well, you know, I'm in my twenties. The next step is to get married. The next step is to try to have babies. You know, all of those things were there. And I, I just kept focusing on that and not really doing a lot of inner work and getting that mental health help that I needed. Um, where I feel like if I'd gotten that, it would have helped me to be able to recognize a lot of those red flags during the, the time that he and I were engaged. Um, but since I didn't get it, we just plowed right on ahead. <laughs> we got married. Um, and for a while, it was it was okay. Um, I look back on that and I kind of feel like, um, like it was God just giving me a reprieve. Like, uh, I tried to warn you, but um, since you didn't, <laughs> um, we're just going to go ahead and try to make the best of this. And, um, and things were okay for a time. Um, but it didn't take long before things started to kind of unravel between us. We really weren't a good support to one another. Um, and he had his, you know, I had my own mental health things that I needed to deal with some depression, lack of self-worth. Um, but he also had his own mental health issues that went undressed, unaddressed for a very long time. And as a result of not addressing those, um, we ended up developing this really kind of unhealthy relationship with one another. Um, he, he relied on me for a lot. Um, in a lot of ways, I kind of felt a lot more like his mom than his wife. Um, and at first, you know, I, I, I would, this feels weird to say, but you know, I was young and it, I loved feeling needed. And I just kind of took that on and I felt like, okay, I, I'm going to, it like, it unhealthily fed into my self-worth. I felt very much like, oh yeah, this is, he, he needs me and I can be there for him. And, um, I think I, I think in the back of my mind, there was always this, and he'll be there for me, even though I wasn't really seeing that come through. It wasn't his intention. I don't think, um, he wasn't like an evil person. I don't mean it like that, but he really wasn't capable of supporting me in the way that I needed to be supported. We were not in that kind of a relationship with each other at all. Um, just because of where he was, it, it just wasn't something that was happening. Um, and he also had some other, like, his issues got intense enough that it, it was hard for me to feel like I could rely on him and feel like I could count on him for anything. Um, but in the meantime with that, that also played into his job situation. So we moved a lot. We, he changed jobs a lot. Um, I think I did the math at one point. Um, the first, the first 18 years of my life, I didn't move at all. My parents still live in the same house that I grew up in. And then for the next, I think it was over the next 15 years of my life. Am I doing the math right on that? Yeah. Over the next 15 years of my life, I moved 10 times. Wow. So yeah, it was, it was a lot. And, and almost all of that was with my, was, was with him. Um, my first ex-husband. <laughs> we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, but he, we moved a ton and this kind of constant upheaval that really helped, not helped, but uh, hindered me from seeing where our problems were. We also, during this time frame, um, had about three years into our marriage, we 
we wanted to have kids, you know, it's just kind of a natural thing. And it kind of became this desires. I was working with kids. I loved being around kids. We were working with teens all the time. We were, we were devoting all of our time. All of our spare time was spent in youth ministry. Um, uh, I remember us sitting down with our schedules and trying to figure out what evening during the week we would see one another. And I don't mean like what evening, and then we were going to spend the weekend together because of the weekend is all like church stuff. So I mean, like we would see each other for a couple hours during the week and the rest of it was all like ships passing in the night. So that added to us not really being able to see where our problems were, the moves added to that. And then when we started trying to have kids, we dealt with infertility. Um, We never were able to have kids, but we tried for several years, like really actively trying to have kids um, and it wasn't possible. And, And in the testing processes that we went through, it came out as unexplained infertility. We didn't have the answers. And um, uh, for the the people that have experienced that, you know that it's a very isolating um, diagnosis to get. The whole entire process of going through infertility um, was as damaging as you can imagine. <laughs> um, it, um, you know, overall from, of the years that, I mean, we started trying about three years in and we were to, we were married a total of um, almost 10 years. So for about seven years, we were dealing with infertility and that being a, a kind of a thing over our heads. And that was also another thing that really kind of added in to, to being able to look back and go, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm just sad because of this happening. I feel so isolated about this. I didn't share a lot especially in the beginning, because it was so, so isolating and so hurtful and painful. Um, And all of that together really started to put me into a a space where I was heading down. I was heading into depression. Um, I just really was losing sight of hope. Um, uh, It, it was, um, it was a very difficult time and I had a hard time being able to tell that it was he and I that were really an issue that was happening in that. Um, in one of the moves that we did, we ended up going to Virginia. Uh, we moved there for a year and um, which ended up being a, a difficult and wonderful all in the same way. Like there were some pieces of it of getting away from everything that kind of helped. And then, um, and then when we came back, we ended up, we were just there for a year. Um, cause he, um, he ended up quitting the job. We went out there to, we uprooted our lives to go and to be out there. And four months in, he decided that he didn't want to work at the job that we went out there for. And that was something that was, that really started to trigger with me. Like, um, all of our problems might not be the moves and the <laughs> infertility. Um, and he also at that time shared something from his past that, that really let me see a side of him that I was like, um, I probably should have known that before we got married. It was about, um, some stuff that, that had happened in his, um, in his youth. That was a pretty big deal. Um, and it felt a little bit like it actually felt a lot like it absolutely was a betrayal to not know that ahead of time, um, going into a marriage with him. And 
so when we came back, um, we were kind of at this, we, we came back a year later and kind of at this crossroads with our marriage. It was about, it was probably about halfway in. And, um, and I feel like back to the whole self-worth thing, I still wasn't addressing myself. I was still doing a lot to please everybody else. I was, I was developing this kind of mindset. Like if I, if I check in with enough people, if I get enough feedback from everybody, um, I can make decisions that will make everybody else happy. And, um, and like really letting all of that guide my self-worth. So it guided what, how people viewed me in the church, how people viewed me at work, how, um, and, and it ended up kind of viewing, like determining how I viewed myself, how I viewed myself was how everybody else saw me. I, I was, as long as everybody else liked me, then I really felt like, okay, then, then I'm okay. I, I feel good about myself if everybody else likes me, which is a super dangerous place to be in because as soon as somebody doesn't like you, or as soon as you try to make a decision that goes against that, then your self-worth tanks. And then what are you left with? So we come back from Virginia. We're kind of at this, I felt like personally was at a bit of this crossroads. Um, still not really addressing things head on as much as I should have with him. Um, but also very scared because of this mindset that I had developed. Um, I was really scared to make a decision that was outside of that. I remember saying to him, like, I just want to run away from everything, which should have been a huge red flag, <laughs> um, but because I wasn't getting the help that I needed and I wasn't seeking it out either um, because I thought I could handle everything. Um, uh, I, I, but I remember saying it to him and he said, well, you'd, you'd want to run away with me, right? <laughs> and I lied and I said, well, of, of course I'd want to run away with you. And that, that started the next, like a, a point of denial for me um, where I was like, okay, I'm just all in. I'm just, I'm just going to have to figure this out. I can't leave him because I will make too many people mad. I can't get divorced. I can't run away from this. Um, I'm just going to have to deal with it. Um, so I, I kind of put that face on and um, really was quite committed to the thought of that and thought, okay, I can do this and um, started getting all the books that I possibly could about like how guys thought and like what could make things, you know, like trying to understand him and trying to get it, not really fully understanding his, how his mental health issues were playing into things um, that that really needed to be what was addressed. Um, and then to complicate matters further, um, in the process, which was a beautiful thing, we, uh, friends of ours had um, hosted some kids from Ukraine um, through a fostering program. It was our friends that ran the organization and she, um, the, um, the lady, she had such a huge heart for the orphans in Ukraine, has a huge heart for Ukraine in general. And, um, and so she, just organized it herself to bring kids over and families would sign up and you'd, you'd choose a child to come and stay with you. And you'd give them the experience of a family for the summer. Um, the first time we did it, it was set up for um, three and a half weeks. 
And so they came and they stayed with us and we did a whole bunch of stuff together as a group, had a lot of different activities. And, um, and we just thought, you know, what we can give kids, we can, we can give a kid some love for three and a half weeks. And, um, and so we did, and we had a little boy come with us and, um, you know, we fell in love with him (laughs) and, and it seemed like this, uh, it seemed like a very simple math problem. Like this is a child that needs love. We are a couple that wants to give love. Um, we had this hole in our hearts that we were kind of not having filled through infertility and not, not that I was naive enough to think that, that one equates to the other. Um, cause there it's two different things really. I knew that I could love him and that I could take care of him. And, um, and so we started through the process and he was very open to that idea. He, it, we actually didn't bring it up to him. He brought it up to us in wanting to come. Um, and so we started to pursue the process of adoption. Um, the whole process took about 18 months and um, was very, very taxing as far as on your emotions. So, but we were just, it, it kind of gave us something to join in together and to like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go for this. And um, really kind of seemed like the, the thing that was gonna pull us together. Like this is, this is it. We look forward to continuing this conversation next time. Thank you. We are so grateful that with all of the choices of where you could have spent your time today, that you joined us. If you enjoyed what you listened to, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at Voice Your Brave Story on Facebook and Instagram. And it would also mean the world to us if you would give us a five-star rating on the platform that you found us on. Nothing helps us spread the word more than when people share about what they love. Thank you so much for joining us. In the meantime, remember, your brave story matters. Voice it.